Hi guys, here we are today with uh, Philip Bellamont, CEO and co-founder at Zilch. Philip, great to have you with us today. Lawrence, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Well, look, I'm excited to, to do this interview. I mean, uh, Zilch, a double unicorn, a company sitting very much at the forefront of, of the fintech world. Um, some very exciting partnerships you guys have got. I've got to start by asking, when you started Zilch, what were your expectations? I mean, you know, fortunately, I've I started a business out of South Africa some time ago, just as I got out of university. It was my first company that I, that I founded and started. And uh, fortunately, we were, you know, quite successful with that business and, you know, rolled out of uh, into about 27 African countries. And, and we'll talk a bit about that um, as well. But so, so fortunately, kind of, you know, that previous success and, and, and success, not just in the return made economically out of the venture, but the success in how many lives we transformed and changed for the good in what we previously did, really set the bar very high. And so the expectation of Zilch for me anyway, personally, was, was really, really high, um, you know, when we started and founded this company, because it was, it was sort of the second-ish, third time round. And so, you, knew, you know, we knew all the partners, had worked with people like MasterCard before, knew all these guys really well. And so my expectation was, hey, we've got to do something even bigger. We've got to do something even better. We have to touch more lives with what we're doing this time around. And so I would say that the expectation was very high. With that said, um, you know, what we've managed to achieve in this short period of time um, has certainly even superseded those expectations. So a lot of our investors that came into our earlier funding rounds saw the numbers and they invested, but only afterwards did they actually say to us, look, you know, guys, we thought those numbers were a bit punchy. We didn't quite think you're going to make those numbers. You know, we thought even if you did half of that, we would be really excited. And, and you know, I'm pleased to say we haven't hit those numbers um, that we presented to them each and every time. In fact, we've gone even beyond those, those figures. So, so I, I will say that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where we are right now. We set the bar really high when we began. And so far to date, we've delivered beyond expectation. And I'm really excited about that. And I mean, how, how would you like to see the goals of the company like really evolve? I mean, what's the company mission? How has that, how has that changed as you guys have grown and grown and grown? Yeah, sorry. I mean, the company mission has always been the same. And so ultimately, you know, we want to create the most empowering way for people to pay that the world has ever seen. Now, that sounds a little bit, you know, lofty. It's kind of, it sounds like, okay, sure, you know, guys, good luck with that. But that has always been the Northern Star. How is it that we can go and save people money each and every time they want to pay over time and transact on credit? Or how can we put money back in customers' pockets when they're paying on debit in the, in the form of cashbacks, discounts, and rewards? And so when you, when you step back a little bit and you look at the market today, we have almost a trillion dollars sitting on credit cards across the UK and the US markets alone, revolving at 20% plus interest rates. And so you've got customers paying $140 billion a year, if you can believe it, in fees and interest to credit card companies. And our aspiration is how do we make this zilch? How do we make at zero how do we go and take those fees and reduce them to zero fundamentally trans you know transforming people's lives and at the same time 
taking the best of debit and folding that into the product as well. Because, you know, today you don't get any value when you pay on debit. All you get is the ability to pay. You get nothing else for it. And so what we've tried to do is create this product that people can come and they can get value and find value in each and every time they purchase or transact. So whether that's on debit or credit, we always look at taking care of and looking after the customers. So that Northern Star metric of total savings to customers has always been the, the motivation for the company and why we set this business up. And so it hasn't changed, really. I think it's just the, um, you know, the size of the impact we think we can have um, that has changed. Initially, we set out with a target. And, and I would say that our target today is significantly higher than the one we initially set out with. I mean, just six months ago, we were doing about half a billion annualized in sales. And today, we're well over a billion. And, and so the business is more than doubling every two, every six months, which is pretty phenomenal to see. And, and, and that's accelerating. So that's just been in the UK. These numbers have been, uh, you know, overachieving what we had according to our plan. And so savings for customers today alone in the UK is, is now north of $65 million alone. And that's just in the last 12 months, we've saved customers in fees and interest. That's pretty phenomenal to see. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that's... So, that yeah, so we're excited about that. You know, and that's why we say to, to credit card companies and banks, they've had it good for almost 75 years. The credit card was invented in 1950s. And think how much else has changed since then. You know, we're not all sitting here, uh, you know, with, um, with the same technology we had back then. You think about everything else in the world is fundamentally transformed since then. But credit cards are the same. And so we always like to say, you know, whenever we meet some credit card issuers or institutions, we're coming for those fees. We like to tell them that. You've been charging customers exorbitant fees for too long and we're coming for them. And that's the mission of this business. So I wouldn't say the Northern Star has ever changed, but certainly the magnitude of that star is changing. I mean, listen, since I first um, heard of Zilch, you guys have very openly been an advocate for the consumer. And you know, a big part of that is obviously we're seeing, the, seeing this changing regulatory landscape. Um, how does Zilch actually adapt to that? And do you have any involvement at all um, in terms of the regulations that are put in place? I mean, the first thing that we believe that is, is critical. So when you think about the team and, and, and how we behave here at, at our business, whenever we're on board, and I still personally sit down and meet every single person who starts in the company, um, and, and we have an onboarding session with every single new joiner in the business, regardless of what that. stage you meet them at. Where, where do you meet them? Is it just before they start or? So it's in the first week that people start. They'll sit down and meet with me and my COO. And that's across any of the offices, where it's Miami, Poland, London. Um, you know, we would sit down and we would meet. We would meet with all of the new joiners. And the first thing we always say to people is, our expectation of them is, we say this this particular way, which I love, and that is, how would you behave when no one is watching? And that's really important to us as a business because we don't just say this. This is how we act. Um, you know, if you look at this space, our view has always been that this needs to be regulated. BNPL as one component of our business, but needs to be regulated. And that's always been very clear to us, so much so that when the regulator was not demanding this be the case, more than two and a half years ago, 
Zilch went and applied and we got our FCA consumer credit license in the UK when no one was watching. We didn't have to do it. It wasn't the easy thing to do. It was the right thing to do. And that's how we feel about our day-to-day -day work. You know, sometimes you're working late or maybe you've got to do something on the weekend, didn't quite happen for you the way you wanted in the week. So, you know, it happens, but you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I could do this the quick way. I could do it the right way. What do you do in those moments? And that's where we call on each and every one of our team to do the right thing. How do you behave when no one's watching? And so, and so to answer this question, we were regulated from the start. We believe that this is the right way to offer a service like this to customers. Um, and we've always had this question from investors. They sort of chalk this down to a masterstroke in business strategy for us. And I, it would be easy for us to go, thanks, and we'll take it, right? But actually, we're just honest with investors. And we say to them, look, guys, we didn't have a crystal ball. This was not um, some amazing business strategy that we got this license. And now the regulator has said, you have to be licensed. And of course, Zilch is now leading the charge. This is a tailwind for us. It's a headwind for everyone else. It was actually that we did this because we felt we were giving credit to customers and therefore customers should be afforded the protections that they would expect in this type of scenario. And so they should have the protections of a regulated firm. That firm should comply with how they market and advertise the service and of course, how they go about offering the service. And that's why we got the license. We didn't get the license because we were trying to preempt the fact that the regulator might regulate. We got it because it was the right thing to do. And so in this case, we're very fortunate that we're leading the charge in this, in this sense. We work closely with the FCA to get the license through the sandbox process. You know, we've um, responded uh, through numerous communications um, on this recent process that the FCA and Treasury has gone through in the UK, of course, also the CFPB in, in the US, which is fantastic. And so, I, you know, we would like to believe that we can somewhat play a role um uh in in the outcome of this and certainly we can see from what's been published uh, and certainly re the recommendations from treasury to the fca we have certainly played a role in this so that's fantastic to see and from a, from from an outside objective standpoint it sounds like you're very much leading the charge in terms of what we call here like applied morality and i thought that you're talking in terms of actually ceos co-founders they have to set themselves or hold themselves to a very, very high standard. Um, where does that come from, from yourself? And what's your background that, that's led you to really start this, this revolutionary way of, of, of thinking about the consumer? Yeah, it's interesting what you just said there. I mean, you know, people don't have to hold themselves to any reasonable standard. I mean, they could choose which one that they would like to hold themselves by. The question is, does anyone join them? on that mission um, based on where they've set the bar. And I'm sure we've all seen companies where that bar has not been set very high, right? Well, and people either don't join or they join and then realize this and leave. Yeah. But for me, you know, I think I've always held that, that bar really high, mostly because I've always been in the space where we build solutions for people not in B2B and, and these types or B2B2C, we've always built solutions for people directly, customers. Um, and, and that's what's set the bar so high. Coming from South Africa and my business in Africa, which was in financial inclusion, you know, the difference is if you get it wrong, it could be life or death 
it's not convenient. It's actually one step further than that. People are dependent and reliant on your service being up, it always working. They can use this to buy their essentials. And if it doesn't work that day, it could quite literally mean a family doesn't eat or drink or doesn't have heating in their home. And, and, and that's where the bar gets set really very high. You know, so, so you're not just offering someone a service like Candy Crush or a cool app or a, you know, something like this. You're offering someone something that they genuinely depend on and has transformed the way they live in their lives for the better. And so, and so through my experience in this business, I think that's what's nudged that bar so high for me is that when you're providing something essential to people and you know it has to work, then you've got to keep the bar really high. And, I, and that's fantastic to see because at Zilch, by the way, we believe intrinsically we're offering financial inclusion through this product to a large degree yeah. to millions of people. And people rely on us. You know, if we do have a bug or something goes wrong, we can get ten, tens of thousands of complaints in an hour and people genuinely saying, you know, I had planned to and was using the product. Why is it, you know, why would it not be working when I depend on it? So, so for me, certainly, I think it's my experience in the past being in financial inclusion and bringing that forward to this. That really means that for, for me personally, we hold this bar extremely high. Um, and everything we do is all about the customer. You know, we, a lot of businesses say, oh, it's all about the customer. But then you join the company and you realize that that's not true. It's just nice for them to say it. In our business, our domain uh, system we've set up in the company, it's a matrix structure. So we have domains and, of course, competencies. These domains are specifically what customers do. So they, for instance, join us, new customers, they spend with us and so on. It's all based around what customers do in the business. That's how we build full, uh, full stack teams uh, in this company. And, and again, I mean, thinking a bit more about your background, you mentioned that you've had other startups beforehand. Again, yes. what, what area were they in? What were you doing before this? Yeah, so, so what's led to a lot of the thinking in Zilch was really, you know, I, I left university and I started a mobile gaming business. And the aspiration was to make Xbox and PlayStation games. And that was going to be really exciting. But, but we started, when we, when we left university, um, and I say we, so I left university, I started the business and I, I convinced a few people that, that studied with me to come and join me. And I was very thankful that they chose to do so. We had some phenomenal people come and join me right at the get go. And what we said is let's really look at gaming. And at the time, you know, we had just moved past Nokia 3310s. We were on sort of Samsung D600s, Blackberry. That was really cool. And we looked at this and said, you know what, maybe the future doesn't lie in an Xbox, maybe the future lies right here in our hands. Why don't we look at that? And so we started playing around with games on mobile devices and people could use prepaid airtime. So in South Africa at the time, we didn't have contracts. So we still had these scratch cards. You would go and buy airtime and you would load this onto your phone. Of course, the telcos would rip you off, <laughs> you know, completely for data and for airtime, call minutes, text minutes. And you would get these, this airtime bundle and you'd go put it on your phone. And then you could use this airtime to purchase goods and services in our games. So think about like Farmville, but like a really bad version of Farmville. Sure. And so you could then trade items and you could use these points to enter into competitions. You could win prizes and people could transfer this to one another. 
And so we started to see a lot of momentum in people transferring airtime to one another or using this for prizes and, and promotions and this type of thing. We didn't see lots of people playing the games. And so ultimately we threw the games away and we kept the mobile money service. Uh, and, and this was the ability to transfer from person to person into competitions or pay. And that became a mobile payments company. And so we sort of, I had to just, explain to the disappointed group of people who had joined me to make xbox games that you know we're not we not only aren't doing xbox games we were going to do mobile games and now we actually threw away the gaming portion of the mobile games and now we have mobile money company we're going to do mobile payments and so that's how it sort of got started but the biggest single problem that we solved in south africa and there are after many other african countries was quite unique and interesting and that was that on the weekends you know, you would have these long lines of people forming on the weekends at shopping centers. And one of the, one of the, these weekends I was there, I thought, you know, what's going on? Is there a sale going on? Is there something happening? And I went and I joined the line. I was finding out what's happening. And actually what I realized was that people were queuing for hours just to pay for bills or buy electricity or airtime or prepaid water. And then they would travel back home. So people were traveling for three or four hours just to get here, queue for hours, and then travel all the way back if they managed to buy this good or service. Otherwise, they'd have to come back the next day. And so, so what we came up with was a really interesting service. We, was, we looked at this and said, how do you fix this problem and fundamentally change the lives of people? And so this person was, let's say, the breadwinner. They were working all week. They would get home to their family finally at the end of the week on a Friday evening, late at night, wake up on Saturday and realize that they don't have airtime or they don't have prepaid electricity. So they've got no heat in the home or running water. They would need to travel back to some sort of city to, for hours to go and queue up and buy these, this product and then come all the way back home and be away from their friends and family again. How do you fix this problem? And so, and so what we did in this case is we came up with a really interesting model where we would lend the airtime to this customer on the weekend. So they could dial up on their phone. We would lend the airtime or electricity to this customer virtually. And then when this person was at work on the Monday, they were back in a more urban setting where they could easily go and repay us. And so you just think about that shift. Yeah. We actually had this big cathode ray tube uh, monitors at the time, you know, these massive, huge old screens. And, and we, we actually had, it was an interesting experiment we were running where we, we triangulated people. So because there was no GPS chip in the phone, we were using towers and signals to triangulate where you were. And we created a bit of a map that would show um, all of these people who were working in the week were red dots and people who were dependents on them children and family and friends were green dots and you would find in the week they were always very separate and then come friday evening and that would change a little bit they'd be back closer together but then saturdays and weekends again they were apart and just two weeks after launching the service of ours where we would lend the airtime or electricity to the to these people we actually came in and we started looking at data over a period of a month and we thought that the, the monitor was broken, actually, because everything was like magenta colored. It was all grouped together and it was all magenta. And we thought maybe the colors had gone, gone off. Actually, what had happened is they were overlapping the green and the, the, the red dots. They were together for the first time ever in their lives. 
people were reunited with friends and family through the weekends. And that was the moment for me. That was that moment where you look and you go, wow, we've used technology here to fundamentally change these people's lives for the better. And by the millions, you know, more than 20 million customers using the service. And that's pretty phenomenal to see. And that was probably one of those moments, those game-changing moments, at least for me and everyone who was in the business at the time, where you look and you go, wow, we're doing something that's good for people. Yeah. And that, and that was really the beginning for us. And then that moved into uh, you know, lending, financial inclusion, bank accounts, insurance, prepaid insurance, on-demand insurance, and so many other products. And that formed the basis off of which I went on to then found Zilch later on um, you know, with a similar mindset. Right, I was going to say, because the commonality is, whatever you've been doing, it's how do we help as many people as possible and change the lives of those millions of people? Absolutely. And, 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 that's, and that's always been the way we think about things. And so that's where you get back to that 65, 70 million of savings to date already that's happened for our customers just here in the UK. And, 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 you know, two and a half million customers in, in about just less than two years, that's 6% of the adult population here in the UK. That's why all of us get up every day and come to the office and excited about it because we're like, hey, look at this. Imagine how many more savings we could make for people. And we've got a big ticker in the office, you know, that, that ticks up each and every transaction that happens. And that's the North Star metric. It's not about how many sales it's not about what the bad debt ratio is. All of that stuff operationally is important. It's not about that, though. It's not why we're here. It's about how much have we saved people but the, and on an the, ongoing basis. But, I mean, on that, though, I mean, am I correct in saying that you've got your first million customers in just a little over a year? Yeah, so, so, so that's right. So we actually, we hit two major milestones, which we've been very, you know, to be honest with you, blown away by. Right. But also everyone's been hugely excited by it. And that is that we hit both a million and two million customers more than in most cases, three times faster than any fintech that you've heard of. And I'm talking about some awesome businesses, companies like Revolut, right? Who a lot of us actually use their product. and It's a fantastic service. These types of businesses we've beaten to these milestones and, and not just by a little bit, I mean, by a mile. And so it's those types of numbers that really inspire us to continue building. Um, you know, a lot of people spend their time getting hung up on, oh, a company's raised this much money. Oh, we've got this new round we've closed. And for some reason, media likes to talk about that stuff. They cover that stuff a lot. We don't spend a lot of time talking about that in, in Zilch, actually at all. We spend all of our time talking about how many customers do we have? Look at this new milestone we've just hit in our customer base. We now have customers using our new feature, you know, at a ratio of 60 to 40%. How are they converting through the funnel? These are the things we celebrate internally. So it's funny when journalists phone us up because we've done around and now it's a unicorn business and everyone's very excited about it. It's almost a little bit old news for us. And it's actually not what's important to us as a business. What's important is how much savings are we making for customers? How are we able to onboard someone that nobody else will? and actually work with that person and generate them savings. These are all the things that matter to us. And recently, we've actually seen um, huge competition, almost like, like you said, they were catching your, your headwinds. Companies like Apple um, are entering this space. Is that competition for you? Is it a challenge or is it an opportunity? 
I mean, of course, it's competition. I think it would be naive if I said to you, you know, uh, it's not competition. You know, you know, it's Apple. Who cares? Um, you know, I've got I've got one of these. <laughs> it's I'm, I'm talking to you right now on a Mac. I love Apple. Yeah, same. Oh, yeah, I'm a fan of Apple. You know, we actually one of our aspirations as a business is to build a brand as well known and as loved as companies like Apple, Netflix, and a few others, Nike, right? So, so I mean, this is the first thing we show people. So, so you know, I love the fact that for us, we had everyone when we joined this sort of space. You had all of these companies doing BNPL with buttons on the checkout pages. And some of these businesses are really amazing companies. I mean, you, you know, you talk about some of these businesses as though, you know, they're a little bit not important, but that's not true at all. I mean, they, they transformed this space and they've been pioneers. And so they were doing this button thing and we came along and said, let's go the other way around. Let's go our own way. Let's go direct to customers. We think that's important. And, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit lonely when you're blazing the path forward on your own. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're doing long distance traveling and you're driving down a highway and the only cars you see every once in a while late at night happen to be going the opposite way. Yeah. Right. And you kind that. of every now and again think to yourself, are we headed in the right direction here? And, and it can be a little bit lonely. And in the beginning, we certainly had a lot of critics, but it's so encouraging when you're driving along that road and you look in the rear view mirror and you think that looks a bit like Tim Cook, right? And, and here Apple come alongside us and they've taken the path that we've gone and blazed forward. Not one that all these other businesses have created. We've created this way. And it's phenomenal to see that Apple, a brand that all of us love and aspire to build businesses that can, you know, stand up proudly next to a brand like Apple, it's really exciting to see that of all the ways they could have done this, they chose the way we've done this. Yeah. Into the market. And so, and so that's really encouraging. Um, I certainly would say, but, but Apple as a competitor, a lot of people look at that and they go, what will you do? And again, for us, it's a few things that we like to say to our team. The first is let's not worry too much about everybody else. Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of people asked us the same question when we started out, but how will you compete with Klarna or how will you compete with Afterpay? And, you know, what we've been very good at always is, is sort of putting our heads down. We have a mission. We know what we're doing. We know exactly how we want to do it. And we put our heads down and we go and we do it. And, and ultimately, we love to put ourselves in a position whereby if we fail, we can blame nobody but ourselves. That is the position that we like to place ourselves in across the business. And that's everything from engineering through to customer support, everything, right? Put yourself in the position where you have no excuses. That is what we like to see. And so for us, you know, when you look at Apple entering the market, what's interesting is no one's talking about the size of the problem. So you've got to zoom out. Yeah. Right. And you've got to say, but hold on, how big is the problem? And I mentioned this a little bit earlier as we started, Lawrence, you know, you're looking at $140 billion a year being paid in fees and interest to credit card companies. You're looking at a trillion of debt, one trillion sitting on credit cards across the US and the UK. 
that is an awfully big problem to solve for customers. All right. And it's going to take a lot of apples and it's going to take a lot of zilches to get that 140 billion to zero. Really, it will. And so the size of the problem is so significant that really it doesn't matter to a large degree if Apple um, are successful to zilch. It matters to customers. And I hope that Apple will be successful. And I hope that we will continue to be successful. And by the way, we're going to need a few others to be very successful sure. to actually fix the problem for people in the market. So that's the way we see it. And obviously, look, generally speaking, Apple is only for Apple of you know device uh, users. It doesn't accommodate the fifty-five percent of people on Android devices. Um, you know, Apple has a few nuances to their product. Of course, it doesn't work exactly like ours. Okay, well, we would think ours maybe does a few things better than theirs does. Theirs might do a few things better than ours does. So, 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 so largely, we aren't too concerned, given the size of the market, that this is a problem. In fact, as you maybe alluded to. We actually feel quite inspired by the fact that we've taken it to, to, to go a different way about fixing this problem for customers, and Apple quite like that way. That's really inspiring to see. I've got to say, it, sound, it sounds quite amazing, and it sounds like a very, very big project, huge undertaking, but <laughs> like you say, you know, it's very mission-led, and I think that's very exciting, particularly for you know, a big part of the Rayon community, um, of which I've got to say, our community want to work for companies like Zilch. What is it that you're really looking for uh, from future teammates, from colleagues? You know, what does it take for somebody to get in front of you and impress you and actually really be an asset to your company? I think there's a, I mean, there's definitely a couple of attributes that we look for. Of course, it's great to know that people are prepared. Right, so, so we always want people to know the most about what they're talking about in the room. That, that, that's what we, would, we want to see. And we tell everyone this when we onboard them. So people must understand the problem they're trying to solve before they talk to anybody about the solution. And they should understand that problem intrinsically. When we, have, when we sit down with a group of people in the business, no one talks, starts by talking about their solution. They start by explaining the problem. And if they can't do that, the meeting is finished and we all leave. Because how could you propose a solution when you don't intrinsically understand the problem? Yeah. And so we really like people that can express to us and talk about something meaningfully. They're passionate about it. We want people to be obsessed. You don't have to be obsessed with competition. What we want is for you to be obsessed. All right. And you really need to be so and that, by the way, could go across anything doesn't matter what you're obsessed with. We just want people who get obsessed about things, because when you obsess about things, you take it to the next level, you do better than someone who's just not right. And so we aren't looking for people that want a job. People who want a job can go work at a large corporate and they can be a little cog in the wheel there. And by the way, I'm not I'm not undermining that role. No, That's I, important. Right. That, that's important. You've got to have people who do that. But we don't want those people. So we want people who are who are go-getters, they doers. And yeah. so what we really want is we always say to people, do something, please. Just do something. We don't want you to sit and to think about it for four weeks. And we say to you in two months, what have you done? No, you know, I've planned this. I think I've talked to a few people. No one cares. We want you to get involved and take action. That is what we require. Take action, learn, and then from that point of view, understand the problem 
so that you can really come and meaningfully contribute to the, the, the solutions that we're building for customers. So these are the types of people that we really are looking for and the types of, of, of characteristics of people that we're looking for, but certainly for people to be obsessed about what they do and really be passionate about that thing. Um, you know, that, and that's hard, by the way, for people to find. I get it. It's, it is hard. Um, but those are the types of people that we have in our business and are fortunate to have here. And so that's what the whole team will expect. And that's what the team expects from our talent acquisition team and the management in the business. If we start bringing people in that are not passionate and obsessed about what they do and are not going to go and figure out the problem to build proper solutions and understand and put themselves in a position where no one can blame them but themselves, then the rest of our team is going to wonder what's going on because that's how everyone else is here today. So yeah. that's what we're looking for. Yeah. And certainly people that are going to push those boundaries and make sure that we are always learning. It's fantastic to come to the office and learn from yeah. people around us. And the one thing I would say is it doesn't matter how long you've been at our business, two months, two years, we take, you know, we, we, we take the feedback and the input from everyone in the company equally. And, um, and certainly that's why we see this kind of, um, disproportionate opportunity for people to join a business like ours and thrive in such a short period of time. You know, you're almost climbing a beautiful leapfrogging a ladder, you know, in a rocket that's, that's going at an exponential pace when compared with peers in the market. So I hope that answers the question. Sorry, but, it, it, um, does. it does. Look, I, I think people, I think people love that as well. You know, I, I think even from my perspective, we had a brand strategist um, come in a couple of weeks ago. And I think he was actually, he was quite, quite apprehensive about how much I was just saying to him, like, you know what, just test it, work out for yourself. Again, similar to what you were saying, just do something. Even if you're going to make mistakes, yeah. right on, you know, we're, we're, we're at a stage now, where actually, we can make mistakes, you know, Let, let's just go for it, work it out. And if I'm doing something wrong, just tell me. If someone else is doing something wrong, just, just, just tell them. And again, we've got that like really like innovative culture. And I think particularly with like developers and those coming out of university, that is really what they're craving, you know, to find a company where they're trusted. Absolutely. There's no doubt. And, you know, this is not like the old days. We're not sitting with, you know, our developers all punching holes into, you know, <laughs> each of the cards and then going and running the cards into the machine. And if a bug happens to be sitting on the card, you have a problem, you know, it's not like... We've got all the tech these days to have appropriate sandboxes set up. We can go and test different branches. We can merge that branch accordingly and so on. It's just, it's all there for us. And so really people need to get, as you say, and, and that's exactly how we see things. Just get going, just get stuck in. Let's get into the detail. You know, it always annoys me when people come to say, but I can't quite, you know, someone didn't reply to me. So I haven't done it because I didn't know because they haven't said, well, no one cares. Yeah. Figure it out. Let's get stuck in. Let's get cracking. Right. Um, you know, do you go home every day thinking, wow, I achieved something today? Um, or do you go home blaming three other people because you weren't able to achieve something today? And, and at our business, it must be the former. It's no one else's fault. It's yours. Figure it out. You know, and that's and that's really the type of person that we want you. So highly goal-driven people, mission-focused. Does this make sense for our mission? Um, you know, and then what goals can I set to go and achieve? 
and take and, and the okay. yeah and the person who's willing to also do the hard stuff you yeah. know yeah. I, I always love people always say oh but you know i want to do what i love well i do a lot of what i don't love so that i can do a lot of what i love yeah i'm with you I'm and, and that's what and that's what we expect from people go and do all the all the rubbish that you don't love yeah. so that you can spend a lot more of your time in the future doing what you do love and that's really what we want you pick three hard things that are annoying for you to do in a day do those first bash them out and then let's go and do the stuff we love right so so you know people also need to appreciate that i think a lot of people these days are searching for that but i want to do what my passion is and what i love but what they're forgetting is that you have to do a lot of the crap that you hate sure. <laughs> to allow yourself the freedom well, to do the stuff you love that's interesting and, and i'm conscious of time but i've got i've got to ask you this you know again um as a founder of a tech company, it's hell, right? It can be hell at times. Um, a lot of people, again, on the round community, in fact, I think it's around 15 to 20% of them at the moment, you know, they're keen to set up um, their own, to have their own tech startup, or at least launch it in the next 18 months. What would be your advice for those people that want to actually launch their own tech startup? Firstly, have they thought about the problem? And can they explain the problem to someone better than anyone else? That's the first thing. Because what a lot of people do is they go and they're building an app. Okay. And you say, what is this for? And they tell you it's because dogs want to sleep on comfortable beds or something. Right. Yeah. And then you ask them one question about that problem. Okay. Well, can dogs not sleep on comfortable beds right now? And, 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 you know, they give you an answer and you say, but do you really understand the problem? Have you actually understood the problem or is it that you just think you have a hunch that maybe this could be a solution? And so that's the first thing I would say is, are they solving it? Do they really understand the problem that they're trying to solve? That's the first thing, you know, but the second thing is I do think that we glorifying this whole idea of entrepreneurship, you know, actually, to be honest, when, when kind of, when I started my first company, a lot of people would, would consider you unemployed if you said that I was an entrepreneur. You know, no one really said that because people are like, mm, okay, sure, you can get a job. That's really what's happened here. And 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 so it wasn't it wasn't glamorized like it is today. I and I and I think I think we have to just be a bit careful because frankly, you know, I've never considered myself, I didn't think to myself, I want to be an entrepreneur. It's not like I want to be a doctor or an accountant or an sure. entrepreneur. I don't think people think that it's a thing. We can go and say, you know, we're an entrepreneur and, and you can study for that. That's not true. You need to want to build things. Do you, do you have a, an obsessive passion to build something? Right. And if you do, do you then understand the problem and why you're building it? And then use that obsession and discipline every day, not motivation, because motivation ebbs and flows, unfortunately. It can't be counted on. You need discipline yeah. so that every day you get up and you do it again. And the next day again. And the next day someone tells you they won't invest and you get up the next day and you do it again and again and again and again, right? So you need that, that absolute drive, discipline and motivation, sorry, discipline and uh, obsession to go and build something that's solving a problem. If that's what you want to do, then people one day might call you an entrepreneur. But, but don't, don't go out to be one. an entrepreneur because yeah. there's no such thing. 
I, I, do you know what? I always say that I'm, I'm not a fan of that word. And, and I always say that actually, it's not for you to call yourself an entrepreneur. It's for other people to call you an entrepreneur. Absolutely. 100%. Go and build something that's valuable to people. And well done. Just become an entrepreneur. Philip, I have to say it's been absolutely brilliant uh, uh, speaking with you today. Uh, thank you very, very much for your time. Um, very excited to see um, um, where Zilch goes and what you continue to achieve. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, touch base with you again in, in the near future and uh, go through it there. So yeah, thank so, you very much. Lawrence, thanks so much for having me. Really good to see you. And, and you know, as Zilch, as we challenge our team over here to take us from where we are today and move what we're doing into Web3 in the metaverse, um, you know, with a combination of interesting interesting technologies sitting on blockchain and the use of smart contracts to reclaim ownership of assets that are virtual. As we move towards that space and challenge our tech and engineering teams to do this, obviously we continue to have more and more exciting projects on the go. So if anyone out there is keen, anyone's listening that's keen to join a business that's mission-driven, that's obsessive about what we do and on the leading edge, then obviously just have a, have a look at LinkedIn or of course zilch.com and you can check everything out there. Actually, have you got time to actually just, just really quickly, we can always edit it. Um, have you got time for me to just ask you really quickly, what is the future for Zilch? What do you want to achieve? What, where, where is this going? Sure. I mean, for us, we think, you know, ultimately Zilch wants to be an empowering way to pay for people. It doesn't matter what you want to do. So, so we don't want to, we want to make sure that whatever you're doing and wherever you're doing it, you can make use of Zilch to find value in each and every time you pay. That's what we're doing. So today, you know, that's, you might be online, it's e-com, it might be in-store. And that's really interesting. We know we're moving more and more into invisible payments. So you might want to go to a cashierless in-store experience and, and walk out and pay over time with Zilch. And by the way, you could link Zilch to Amazon right now today. And you could go to one of the cashierless, uh, cashierless stores and you could do that right now. Um, but that's, that's sort of where we're moving to. And then from there, it's the leap into augmented reality and, and virtual reality. As we all know, one way or another, this is the direction of travel. And so Zilch wants to be right by your side, wherever it is that you might be. And so we really believe that the future for us is going to be facilitating, um, you know, that empowered payment, whether it's online, in-store, invisible, augmented or virtual. And, and we can use a bunch of different technologies to do that. Today, we're using, obviously, MasterCard and Visa Card Rails. Tomorrow, we could be using blockchain and smart contracts and so on and so forth. And so really that's the direction of travel that we see. Uh, customers being able to use us anywhere and for everything using any form of store value that they have to pay for those goods and services, which of course is not just fiat currency. And so, and so that is the direction of travel that we're taking and that's where we think the future lies. Well, it'll be exciting to see. Uh, Philip Bellamont, CEO and co-founder at Zilch. Philip, great to have you with us today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. Speak soon, all right? Thank you. Speak soon.